Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Linking the Wealth. I'm your host, Akindale Akinyemi. I'm the president and CEO of the Global African Business Association. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about this silly, silly and goofy um, issue with um, President Donald J. Trump and international students. So the Trump administration recently came out with this um, proclamation, and I put that in quotation marks, about our international students here in the U.S., stating that international students on an F-1 or M-1 visa must be um, in class, in person, physically, at a college or university if they want to keep their F-1 or M-1 status valid. If they take all online classes or universities are offering all online classes, that their F-1 or M-1 visas could be revoked and they could be sent back home. Now, to me, I think that is a bunch of foolishness. And the reason why that's a bunch of foolishness is because of a few things here. Number one, international students bring dollars and cents into colleges and universities annually. You see, when you're an F1 student, an international student, you cannot get financial aid like your peers here in the United States who are U.S. citizens. They, they most of the time, international students, when they first arrive in the U.S., they do not have a social security number or anything like that. So they have to pay tuition. They can't work their first year of college. Now, if you this was Canada, then they can get a social insurance number and a F-1 visa right at the port of entry, and they'll be on their way in terms of working 20 hours a week, part-time, and going to school at the same time. That ha does not happen here in the United States. So our international students face a lot of challenges. In many cases, um, they have to find some place to live with a relative or a friend or a family friend when they first arrive here in the United States. Uh, the stress of the stress of passing their classes, the stress of paying tuition, the stress of hustling in terms of making money to pay basic things like bills, rent. You know, if they if they are eligible to at least get a driver's license and they're able to drive, they still have to put gas in a tank that costs money. So there's a lot of stress dealing with international students on an F-1 visa. And if they have a family whose their spouse may be on an F-2 visa and their children, then in some cases that compounds the issue. So this silly, silly, goofy, immature move by the Trump administration to try to help to force university and force university and colleges to keep their doors open um, in terms of in terms of um, allowing international students to take classes in person in a in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic. It's just absolutely short sighted. Now, 
Here's why I support international students as a president and CEO of the Global African Business Association. And I'm going to talk about how we rebuild our local urban communities here in the United States. You see international students, and I'm going to talk about, in particular, African and Caribbean international students, because that's really my true focus here. African and Caribbean international students play a big role in rebooting and reconfiguring local urban communities here in the United States. And what I mean by that is they bring a they bring a skill set already to the table. They're learning a skill set in this college or university of their choice here in the United States. They're bringing they're also bringing a particular angle of influence into our community. So let me give you an example of what that looks like. So let's say, for instance, you have students from Nigeria, students from Kenya, students from Mozambique, students from Zimbabwe, students from Ghana, students from Cote d'Ivoire, students from Senegal that are coming to the U.S. and they're majoring in things like um, cybersecurity, cloud computing, artificial intelligence, uh, data analytics, and so forth primarily nursing, uh, anesthesia technology, or things that are related to STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and those fields. Well, guess what? They major in those fields. They get jobs and employments in those fields. And what happens there is now you have, now you have an international student that's working, whether it's through OPT or H-1B visa or Somehow and some and somehow some way they can even obtain perhaps an EB3 or EB2 visa. They're working in their field of study. They're earning they're earning money. They decide to they decide to do um, open up a business within the community in which they're trying to invest in, invest in properties, buy a home. They become a homeowner, and most importantly, they give back to the community in which they're trying to develop in terms of investment and terms of expanding their wealth. Now, some people may try to challenge that. They may try to say, well, these Africans come over here and they uh, they come over here and they receive, uh, uh, you know, they, they get all these, I'm not gonna say perks, but they get all these uh, the education and things of that nature. And they get hired into these jobs and they decide to move out to the suburbs. And that and that may be the case in, some, in many cases. However, it's our responsibility to educate those international students why they should invest in local urban communities. Some, in many cases, what's going on is, what's going on is simply this. You have uh, our brothers and sisters before they leave the continent, before they leave the Caribbean, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, they've been they have been told by misinformed um, people that look like us with the same skin color to go live with white folks. Don't deal with African Americans and all that nonsense. And I'm telling you, it's nonsense because that type of thinking from most of the time from those elders. That type of dangerous thinking will keep us further divided. I take the time as the president and CEO of GABA 
to explain that we are all linked together, whether you're African-American or African or Caribbean. And if you're an international student, especially in GAP, I always look out, I really, really try hard to look out for our international students in, in GABA, to do my very best to check on them, to ensure that their mental health is, is taken care of. If I can provide resources, I try very hard because I know this is a new experience for our brothers and sisters here. And I like to see our brothers and sisters make it. And I try to encourage our brothers and sisters to go into those STEM fields so that way you too can play ball just like Chinese people, Indian people, and other races of people that come here on an F-1 visa and, and they create their own wealth and build their own heaven here, African and Caribbean people can do the same thing. And so with that said, international students from the continent of Africa and from the Caribbean, they play a big role in, in redesigning local urban communities. And the reason why they, they, they do that is because many of them go into these STEM fields. STEM is the way of the future, especially within the framework of the fourth industrial revolution. Within the framework of the fourth industrial revolution, we have to start looking at things differently as it pertains to financial technology, as it pertains to digital cash, as it pertains to banking, as it pertains to how we do business within this decade. So international students play a big, big role in reshaping black communities here in the United States by linking the wealth culturally and economically from back home over here to the U.S., opening opening up businesses that are linked that are linked to resources back home where African-American entrepreneurs can tap into those resources. And now we have a win win situation. We've created an ecosystem and we've created a two way pipeline of encouragement and empowerment. So that way we can create our own we can create our own wealth uh, wealth transfer without begging white folks uh, to to give us what we're already can create our own. We shouldn't beg white people to do it. We shouldn't be begging white folks to do anything. In fact, to be brutally honest, our historically black colleges and universities, not MIT or Harvard, should be taking the lead on suing the federal government, preferably USCI, and excuse me, preferably ICE and the Trump administration. They should be suing their behinds for this type of chicanery towards our international students. See, the thing about HBCUs is that we have to reshape that dialogue as well. And we have to reshape our HBCUs to be more global and they and more, more global in terms of their focus and strategically understanding that they too play a role in linking the wealth. They should be the ones suing the federal government. I understand Harvard and MIT are, are, are some of the players in, in the University of California system is some of these players that are suing the federal government over this issue on international students. But our historically black colleges and universities should be doing exactly the same thing, if not taking the lead as it pertains to protecting African and Caribbean students, because those African and Caribbean students are paying tuition to go to their universities to receive their degrees so that they can so they too can empower their families and our community at large. We have to have a serious conversation. We have to start having a serious dialogue on how HBCUs play a big, big role in the African diaspora within this decade. Because without our HBC, see, this is what I'm talking about. We have our own ecosystem here in the United States. 
We have our own vision, our own platform, but we don't use it well. This issue of international students, we should not be even be getting into this dialogue of international students take jobs away from African-Americans. International students from, the, from Nigeria or Ghana or Senegal take jobs away from African-Americans. We should not even be engaged in that type of dialogue, in that type of uh, foolish talk. We should not be engaged in anything like that. What we should be engaged with is what we, sh we should be engaged with right now in 2020 is to create a platform where these students can come to a community college first. They receive a two-year degree in a community college. And depending on what they are majoring in, if we need to send them to an HBCU, we need to do that. We should have an articulation agreement within a community college that's connected to an HBCU or several HBCUs. So that way we can, so that way we can create a pipeline from our brothers and sisters from Togo, Ghana, Cote d'Ivoire, Liberia, Nigeria, Cameroon, Kenya, Mozambique, South Africa, you understand, Botswana. We create a pipeline of success from the community college to the HBCU and from the HBCU to the, to the workforce. And from the workforce to the entrepreneurship component while we're maintaining the workforce. That way we create our own ecosystem. We have to beg white folks for anything. We don't have to go to the Arab. We don't have to go to the Jewish person. We keep everything in house and build our own heaven right, build our own heaven right here on earth. But we, but we have to have these kinds of strategic dialogues and execution methods because it's necessary in the 21st century. Listen, we're living in a racist society here in the United States. There's nothing new about that. African-Americans have been here for 400 years. America is violent. America is racist. And all this stuff about these black folks out here talking about racism is not as bad as it was before. They have blinders on and we can excuse them and show them the door and we can quietly ostracize their ignorance from our community because racism is real. And whether you're African or African-American or Caribbean, when this white man pull you over as a police officer or you walking inside a school or a mall, you're a black. Period, point blank. Okay. The other thing about international students is that they play a big role in also revitalizing our K-12 system. And what I mean by revitalizing our K-12 system, even in a coronavirus environment, a COVID-19 environment, where you have a lot of teachers who are not going to return to the classroom because of health concerns. Okay, I get that part. They're not going to return to the classroom, even if there was no COVID-19 environment. They still wouldn't return to the classroom, most likely, because of low pay and the 
unfortunately, education in this country, K-12 education in this country, is uh, very is looked upon very disrespectfully. Um, unlike other nations on the planet Earth, but it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for international students and international education educators from the continent to engage in reshaping our K-12 system, whether it's in in person or whether it's online. Now, me personally, looking at this COVID situation, step one, if if we are gonna revamp local urban communities, we need to revamp them in terms of building vocational school districts, especially at the high school level, vocational school districts called technical districts. This is what we're working on in GABA where we have career technical education or technical vocational educational training, right? We're teaching students a skilled trade or a skilled tech trade along with their basic education. We can partner with a community college. So when that kid graduates, that kid has a, that child has a uh, associate's degree, a, a, a diploma, and an apprenticeship and prepared to work. If that person decides to go to a four-year university, like I said earlier, we create a pipeline to an HBCU. Now, can you imagine connecting the dots by recruiting educators from across the diaspora within this particular vocational school district called technical district and also allowing certain F1 students, right? to participate in this technical district. And I'm talking about F1 students, I'm talking about high school students. We provide housing for these students. We provide care for these students. And now we create, we've created our own pipeline. We've created our own link, our own eternal link to sustain new school, our existing school districts And from existing school districts, creating a 21st century school district. Students go to school. Students can go to school twice a week. Right? Maybe to take tests. They go to class four hours. They go to class four hours a day in the morning. They leave. Another cohort come in in the afternoon, go another four hours. And for three and (laughs) the rest of the three days out of the week, they're at home doing virtual learning. or doing some level of a co-op working with another working with an employer in their field of study or learning how to do carpentry or plumbing or anything like that these are some these are some key 21st century uh, strategies that international students can play another another way of international students can play a role in but we have to think, we have to throw away the box in our way of thinking. We have to start being more serious about investing in our international students that look like us. And what I am saying to, what I am saying, everyone who is listening to this broadcast today, this podcast today, is that we can't allow racism to overcome things, uh, things that are important to us in terms of investing our international students from the continent of Africa and the Caribbean. African-Americans right here in the U.S. play a big role in supporting our international students. GABA plays a big role 
and supporting our international students. And that's what we will continue to do as time goes on. Thank you so much for listening to this broadcast today. God bless.